This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Chicago-born author Sandra Cisneros is known for writing candidly about her life and the lives of her characters. Her latest, Women Without Shame, does just that. It's a collection of poems about life, self-love, feminism, and the beauty she has found in aging. It's also her first book of poetry in nearly three decades, a time when she published an array of award-winning novels, short stories, and other work. And Sandra Cisneros joins us now on the phone from her home in Mexico. Welcome back to Reset, Sandra. Hey, thank you for having me. I feel like I want a hot dog right away. <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to get right into this this book because reading it, I, I feel like there's a level of maturity in the in the writing and in the subject matter throughout the poetry book that was just fantastic to read. And I think that a lot of that is made possible by the fact that you did wait decades to write this book. It feels authentic. It feels unapologetic. Would you agree? Was that the mission? Oh, shucks. Thanks. Well, I'm, I wasn't really trying to wait three decades. I was just busy writing other genres, you know, yeah. novels and short stories and memoirs and essays. So I wasn't really thinking, okay, now I need a poetry book. Uh, I always write poetry, but I'm never sure whether a poem is done. So I'm, I'm used to just storing them and filing them away and waiting a couple of years sometimes to relook at them. That's mm-hmm. just normal for my process of poetry. Well, you dedicated the book to Norma Alarcon. That's a, a poetry ally. So tell us about her and how she's well, impacted your work. Yes. Uh, Dr. Norma Alarcon, a professor emeritus from UC Berkeley, is actually from the Midwest. Uh, she grew up in Chicago, and I met her when she was a grad student at uh, in at Indiana University, Bloomington, and we became friends. And she was the one that first published me back in the days when no one knew who I was. She, she had a, a, a small press she created called Third Woman Press, and she published my first book of poetry. Wow. So she was instrumental in all the decades. She's still alive. She's hanging in there. She's an elder. And uh, she just promoted me and other Latina writers that are now famous, like Gloria Anzaldúa and Shuri Moraga and Castillo. We, we were lost from one another, and she created a forum for us to find one another to publish under a little magazine called Third Woman Press. Yeah, well, how sweet is it, you know, all these years later, Sandra, to be dedicating this body of work to her? I'm sure she must be very proud. Well, she's like my literary mother, in a sense, or elder. So, you know, she deserves to be mentioned here. And especially since Third Woman Press did so much work for establishing Latina writers in the United States. Mm-hmm. She was instrumental in that. And people forget that. So I wanted her to, I wanted to acknowledge, you know, Norma and let her know how important she was, how important she still is in my life. So you've organized the poems into categories. Explain that that process for us and talk about some of the titles. <laughs> well, you know, the, the the segment titles are Mujer Sin Vergüenza, which is the title, Women Without Shame, mm-hmm. and uh, Cielo Sin Sombreros, Guy Without a Hat, Cantos y Llantos, Chants and Complaints, and Cisneros Sin Censura, uh, Cisneros Without Censorship. Mm-hmm. And those are actually going to be the titles of the book. Those were potential titles, and I was playing around with ah. them, thinking, oh, will this one work? Will, will that work? That's a good 
title, and because it didn't make the final cut, we used it for the segment titles. And I have to give thanks to John Freeman, my editor, who was the one that helped group the poems together, because I was too busy writing the poems to think yes. about where they would go. Well, that was a great idea to use the you know other potential names as as sort of segment. Uh, headers. I think that was John Freeman's idea, and if it wasn't, I'm going to say it was. Thanks, John. <laughs> so your first poem in the book, uh, it's Tea Dance, Provincetown, 1982. You're, you're practicing being a woman without shame. That's what you say in the poem. And you say you're practicing being a woman without shame, not a shameless woman. I want you to help me make that distinction. Yeah, because in Spanish, the word sinvergüenza is used as a stone to pummel a woman, to uh, coerce her into shape, into obeying the patriarchy. So I didn't want to be a sinvergüenza, which is a shameless woman. I wanted to be a woman that didn't have shame, that wasn't ashamed of things I inherited, like, you know, things that come with my gender about being female. And especially, you know, since I was working class, you know, I had a lot of shame when I was a child, just being poor, and shame of color, and shame of the neighborhoods I lived in in Chicago. There was a lot of shame to overcome, and I'm still overcoming them at 67, on the brink of turning 68 in a couple of days. I think it's something that everybody grapples with, regardless of your gender, or regardless where you come from. You know, we all have to work at it our whole lifetime to overcome that shame. And for me, as a young woman in my 20s, I was trying to invent myself as a writer, and I had no idea how to go about it. But I had some role models, some good and some bad, and I was just yeah. doing the best I could and, and find my way. Yeah. I've admired how your writing can be equally beautiful and, and poignant at times, but I most love it when you uh, you take a stance on something. You You take a stance on what's going on in the world around us. Like in Creed, you you write, I believe mothers and grandmothers are the solution to violence, not only in Mexico and the United States, but across the globe. Why do you like to use your voice to, to weigh in on issues like gun violence? Well, you know, I didn't think I could have written that poem when I was younger because I felt uh, inadequate to the task. But now that I'm older, I don't care what other people think. And I especially dismiss my doubts about myself and say, well, I'm going to say this anyway. And I remember I wrote that poem for a, a gathering of Penn, the association of writers that are gathered against censorship and freedom of expression. I was uh, speaking with other writers in Mexico City, and I live in a country where to be a journalist can get you uh, a death. You know, it's not about getting arrested for saying things. You get killed mm-hmm. for writing the truth here in Mexico with impunity. And uh, I just felt I had to say something uh, that was meaningful because everyone else was going to be speaking 200 words. 200 words isn't a lot. And I needed to say something as if, you know, it was the most, uh, if it was the last day on, on earth, what would I say? Living in Mexico makes you aware of uh, the precariousness of being a writer, especially a journalist yeah. in these times. Yeah, you know, I, I'm hearing you talk about the fact that you're sort of still living with some shame, that that's still a, a work in progress, but still you come across as, as I said before, very unapologetic. You know, A moment ago you said, I don't care. That's why I'm able to say some of these things. So yeah, how, how do you walk that but line? But I still have to learn how to say certain things, like we didn't say I love you in my family. Mm-hmm. And when I say it, it sounds 
sounds corny or artificial. So I'm still getting over that one. What was top of mind for you as you were putting together this collection of poems? Were you trying to tie them together in some sort of unifying theme or... No, no, you know, that's not how you write poetry. This is really a, a time for us as a community, as a nation, as a as a global community to write poetry, because poetry is really about uh, coming to your own truth, examining your heart, going beyond what you think you know, going very deep, and doing a very deep meditation and, and house cleaning of the heart. And I think we haven't been, we don't have those leaders guiding us to do that introspection. And if we did, then we would be a better society, don't you think? It's our time Mm -hmm. in which there's so much polarities in the communities, and people are uh, encouraged to press send, whatever they think, Mm -hmm. press send, even Mm -hmm. if it's uh, going to create more harm than good. But writing poetry is about examining our emotions wherever we are and going beyond that and sitting with it and composting those thoughts until we get clarity and truth. It's about seeking truth. And I think in this time where everyone doubts what is the truth, you know, we need to start with ourselves. That's what poetry is about. That's why we need poetry right now. Mm-hmm. Is the process similar at all when writing your novels? No, not at all. It's the opposite. You know, in your novel, you've kind of got a roadmap. You say, okay, I'm going to go to Cincinnati. I think I'm going to get there maybe by way of California, but I might go by Kathmandu. You never know. But you're going to aim to get to Cincinnati. You know where you're going more or less. But poetry, you don't have a map. All you have is this impulse to get on the road. And you have to chase after something you can't see. You can only feel it. It's something that has no uh, visualization. It's some, a feeling. It has no clarity. It's blurry. And you're driving in the dark. You really are driving in the dark and thinking, okay, do I make a left here? Is it, is it this way? Oh, i got to double back. Oh, I wound up in a dead end. Mm-hmm. So Poetry is very intuitive. And and that's why it's so marvelous, because it develops before your eyes. You, you need to give it a lot of time, and maybe that's why I needed 28 years. <laughs> I really wanted the poems to uh, to be true and not something that was coming from my ego and that it was coming from a, a more profound place. Do you have a preference of which one to write, whether it be the poetry? Or... Uh, I can't. I love poetry. I'm uh, Ultimately, you know, I, I came to writing as a sixth grader, writing poetry. And I hope that the last piece of writing I do is going to be poetry, because yeah. I think poetry is to, the most satisfying for me about understanding who I am at a moment in time. Uh, but uh, I, I love writing stories. Uh, I love writing essays. I like doing children's stories. I, I, like to, I like it all, but poetry is the most magical. One of several pieces in the book talks about how you've aged. In this particular poem, you write... I am a spectator at my own sport. I am Venetian, decaying splendidly and magnificent beyond measure. Ooh, so powerful. In a world, Sandra, that's so often telling women, especially that uh, their value diminishes as they age, why was this poem important to include? Well, I I didn't know that you were going to read it or anyone was going to read it. I never think of that when I'm writing it. I always write as if what I have to say can't get published in my lifetime, and that's how I get to a truth. But I wrote that when I was 
in my 50s. And I just felt so glorious in my 50s, like I was this big cabbage rose. Now I'm going to turn 68, and I'm something else. I'll have to write a poem for turning 68. But I just feel for women that uh, uh, the patriarchal society has no idea telling us how we're going to feel and that we need to write from our own hearts to see how we feel and why we feel this way. And if you don't think about what others think about you, which is the great part about getting older, uh, it really is splendid because you uh, gain so much. Yeah, you lose some of the uh, physical parts of yourself, but you gain uh, immense yeah. uh, uh, magnitudes of, of inner knowledge of yourself, which is what I want in this lifetime. I feel like I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm on a mystical apprenticeship for this part of my life. And it's, it's astonishing and funny and uh, sometimes despairing, yeah. <laughs> but it's all of the above mixed up, which is life. Yeah, I mean, this is such a great book. Uh, if you had to choose, what would be your favorite poem, and why? Oh, you—you you better not put me in a poem that's <laughs> my favorite. But I can't read it on the radio or to everyone because it's for adults only. But it's very funny and sad, which is what poetry should be. You know, it, it should make you laugh and make you cry. And it started out for me as a, a poem that I thought was going to be funny. But I learned so much about myself that I, I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the magic of writing poetry. We come out with our, our ego a little bit scuffed up, and that's how it should be. We should look very honestly at ourselves. And what better way to do that than poetry? We'll leave it there. Sandra Cisneros is an award-winning poet and author. Such a pleasure talking to you every time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Please eat a hot dog for me. <laughs>